The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk. And always, you know what, it's crazy when a person can have a great team. You know, co-hosting Glove. Is that Glovey Glove? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. 73, a little cloudy in San Diego today. For the 73 degrees. And, and just, just to even know Glove is person to come on the show and just do what Hoken with his Paula. You that Paula? Yep, he's here. That's what I want to talk about. First, I'm going to run off a couple of things for our listeners. Well, we only got Paula for 30 minutes. That's sad today, but we'll work it today. But uh, uh, we got... Next week, we'll have Octavia Blue. Am I saying it right, Glove? Former WNBA. Am I saying yes. the name right, Glove? Yes, you are. You are, Love. Octavia uh, Blue. Uh, she'll be on next week. We'll speak with us. That's going to be a great show. Then in a couple weeks, two or three weeks, I don't know the exact day we have it, but we'll have Derek Rose and Antoine Walker with us. So, hey, we we working this show. You right, guys? Sounds good. D Rose. There we go. Well, we only got Paul for 30, Glove, so let's work for the day. Uh, we got, uh, actually got Reggie Slater coming on, second half of the show for him in the NBA. We'll get some questions about him, about what do you think about Dwight and um, Kobe and Steve Nash. Paula, what do you think? Let's get you going with that. You know, it's Dwight. People were so like, where is he going? Where is he going? He did that same mess when he left Orlando. Like, he was having problems with the coach, Van Gundy, and kept toying with the media, you know, oh, I want to stay, I don't know if I'm going to leave. And so he did the same thing like this year, like never would really answer, you know. Just he's such a clown. It's like there's just so much drama that surrounds Dwight Howard. So when I heard that he was actually up here even looking at the Warriors, I was really thinking, like, we do not want him up here. Like our locker room is very close-knit. You know, the guys all like playing with each other. There's none of this just drama that goes on with the Warriors. And so when I heard that he went to Houston, I was actually glad. So Houston is now going to have the problems that comes with him. He's just immature, and he just needs to, like, really grow up. So I'm glad that he didn't come to the Warriors. Well, good. My question to you, and what Paula was saying, was don't he have the right to do what he wants to do? Why people doctor him? It's the same thing LeBron did, Glove. So why is it so bad for the white now, Glove? Well, well, no, you have a, you have a point. And somehow we always get Mr. Loving somehow trying to knock, take a knot from LeBron. But we're going to work with it. Anyway, <laughs> you have to think in terms of what LeBron did. He was finished with his contract. 
You know, now if people chose to tune into the TV and watch the sideshow, you know, at the circus, then that's on them. But they always complain about athletes not finishing their contract, and this man was done with his contract. Now, if Cleveland would have did the right thing by adding the proper personnel around him, then maybe he would have stayed. But at no point did they do anything to make that franchise better. So he had to move on to greener pastures. Now, with the White, this is going on like, like P said. It went on in Orlando. You know, the coach ended up getting fired. So once the coach gets fired, my man jumps ship anyway and, and go to another franchise. But, again, he was finished with his contract. So he has the right to do and choose, and he's only allowed to do what the NBA allows him to do. If he was some some player, no-name player, we wouldn't be having this discussion. But because, quote-unquote, from what everybody says on the NBA TV and around the league, he's the best big man in the NBA, which is sad and lets you know that there's not a lot of big men in the NBA. If Dwight Howard, who scores less than 15 points a game and 15 rebounds a game, is your best center in the league, it lets you know the direction that the NBA is going. Well, Glove, I'm going to put you on the spot because I, I kind of hate you on Paula Green all the time, but Paula, <laughs> my, my question is, I talked to Glove today, you know, and, and do you think every time Kobe play with somebody, they can't play with Kobe, or is it that person? I mean, if you look at Shaq, when Shaq was there, he couldn't play. Now you got Dwight, you know, look at Antoine, I mean, um, Bynum. Is it Kobe, or is all these players that just soft? Well, 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 well. First, let me let me start off by saying, you know, great minds think alike. So that's why me and Pete tend to agree all the time because great you, minds Bob. think alike. So, so <laughs> when you have a great mind, you know, and 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 you're talking with someone else that has a great mind, you tend to share views together. So that's oh, what you that know. I can't happens. wait to comment. So go ahead. Okay, now now with what you're talking about with Kobe, let's think about it. Shaq won the title. Shaq had issues with Kobe. Shaq leaves L.A. Bynum come in. They win titles with Kobe. Bynum leaves L.A. You know, Shaq goes to greener pastures in Miami, wins the championship with D-Wade. Bynum goes, sits out a year, gets paid $17, $18 million to be a fan. Beautiful thing. Now, here it is. They do all this to get Dwight Howard in L.A., and... He's, you know, playing subpar under 500 the whole season. He's hurt or he's having issues where he's not getting the ball enough, you know, things like that. You know, Kobe's putting a lot of pressure on him. You know, Kobe put pressure on, you know, if you heard Bynum once he left L.A., Bynum had good things to say about Kobe, you know, how Kobe is, and that's the reason he left L.A. And then we all know the whole thing with Shaq when Kobe got busted. You know, he turned, you know, like he was a – the witness protection program, he turned state's evidence and started selling everybody out, you know, after he had got busted. So it seems like there it is, three seven-footers leaving L.A., Kobe stayed. So who's the common denominator in all three of those situations? It's Kobe. So there has to be something going on with Kobe and other players on the team. Also, he has sold out Powell Gasol to his girlfriend. So there's issues with Kobe and guys on the team it seems like the only one he didn't have an issue with is Metal World Peace and Derek Fisher. So I'm not I'm not the smartest man in the world, but 
when you put one and one together and one and one and one and one and the common denominator is Kobe, it's something to look at. You know, ahead, you know, I think with Kobe, too, when you look at him, I know last year he did this a couple times where he actually called out Dwight Howard and Paul Gasol. It was at different times, but to the media and making comments like, you know, if he's not really hurt, he needs to play. You know, we're talking about the White Howard shoulder probably isn't really that hurt. You know, he, he didn't understand why he wasn't dressing out. And so I think with guys, you know, all these guys, they're making millions of dollars. I mean, these are men. And you've got one person, and yes, it's Kobe's team. And I think it's different when you're in the locker room calling a person out and it's behind closed doors or Kobe goes to the White or goes to Paul Gasol. But when you're doing that type of stuff in the media and tweeting and all that type of stuff, to me, that's like childish. And so it just seems like you're right. People always seem to have a problem with Kobe. And I think that's an example probably of why. Like, handle it in the locker room. Like, don't be talking trash about your teammates, you know, to the media and tweeting stuff. So I, I, I'm with love. I think Kobe is that common denominator. Well, my point is two things. First is, you're right, because I have great minds think alike, right? But you just said the right thing that I'm going to agree with you. Is you're not the smartest person in the world. <laughs> I got to agree with that, right, Paula? You agree with me, Paula? Who's not the smartest person? Who did you Remember say? Remember Glove, Glove say he's not the smartest person in the world? We agree with that, right, Paula? <laughs> no, no comment. No comment. Hey, Paula, come on now. You got to be on my side, you know, because Glove always <laughs> going at it with me. Right, Glove? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Glove well, well, is smart enough, okay? <laughs> but well, I'm going to hear about that later. But anyway, Paul, but, you know, like me and Glove was saying that, um, is, is it, you said it's Kobe. Yeah, okay, now that the white left, everybody's saying he a wolf. So, hey, that was his decision. So, you blame him. He didn't want to play with Kobe. So, that's why he left. Am I right, guys? Yeah. Well, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I was actually surprised when he left Orlando. Remember, he used to say a couple of years ago, the white was known for saying he didn't want to come to L.A. And I always just assumed it's because he didn't want to play with Kobe. And, you know, all of a sudden he came to L.A. And so, no, you're right. He did have the – and I'm not talking about him leaving um, L.A. I'm talking about the way he always keeps the circus going on around him. And his agent will say something. Then a couple hours later, it's something else coming back out. So I'm not talking about him leaving. Of course, he has the right. But I'm saying, like, the way Dwight always just keeps so much just chatter going on instead of just being quiet. No, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you, Pete. It's like, it's like for years, Dwight, he's been hiding down there in Orlando, small market, according to, you know, in, in association with L.A., Miami, New York, Chicago, markets like that. So he's been able to hide down there, but he, he has done some good things down there. But Dwight cannot carry a franchise in my mind, or in my eyes, I should say. So him hiding in Orlando was one thing, but now he comes to the grand stage with the Lakers. I mean, let's think. Shaq was probably the worst center the Lakers had as far as their centers are concerned, and he's a Hall of Famer. So what does that tell you about the, you know, whole Laker organization and the expectation that they expect from their seven-footers? They're big men. Now, Dwight Howard comes along, 
he's not as third of what Shaq is. So why would you put yourself in a situation to fail when you have another Hall of Famer you're playing around in Kobe, and, and his expectation is, hey, we want to get the most out of you, and you're playing with Steve Nash, another Hall of Famer, where their expectation is, hey, you're supposed to be the guy to take us over the hump, and you're not producing. So what does Dwight do? He acts out like he normally does. He's a distraction like he always is, you know, making excuses. And so now here it is. He did his one year in L.A. where he never wanted to go, like he said. And so guess what? He can go down to Houston and play in an organization that has experience winning. But think about it. Their last center was Yao Ming. What did Yao Ming do in Houston? You know, we can't compare him to Olajuwon because Olajuwon was a great. But Yao Ming played okay for a seven-foot-three, seven-foot-four guy. So what's the expectation of Dwight Howard in Houston following Yao Ming? Yeah, but, Glove, you're saying he's a distraction, man. And I know what you're saying, you know, but he did what was best. Well, we'll talk about that, you know, all that, what we think we did later when we got Reggie. You know, I know Paula want to talk about it, but I want to give Paula with something else, you know, when we come back from break. So, look, um, some emails so we ask, so she can ask me something. But I agree with you, though, Glove, and I, I agree with you. But it, it's almost, you know, what you know, I hate that, Paula. I'm already so up. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it ruined my day now. Now you won't agree with him. I'm going to fast today. I'm not going to eat it all. So let's do this. Let's take a break, love. Paula, we'll come back. I'll give a couple emails to Paula and you, love. That way we okay. only got Paula for a few more minutes. And then uh, after that, you know, hey, do we do, right, guys? That's right. Yeah. The word today from D is focus. We're going to focus on gloves today. He ain't the smartest person. Right, Paula? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not agreeing with that. <laughs> we'll be right. You don't know what he do to me, Paula, so you got to agree to it. We'll be James and Glove and Pete. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstand10football.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football is Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. 
Wanna I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, the host of Loving That Sports Talk. I'm always co-hosting Glovey Glove. You that Glove? I'm here. That's good. And Paula hosting with a Paula. Paula, you that Paula? Yep, he's here. He's there. We ain't, we ain't lose you, did we? No, not yet. <laughs> well, we got, he got to take off Glove, but we're going to get a couple of emails. So we got Arlene from Massachusetts. Hey, Paula, thanks for being on the show. Love your advice. But do you ever think, man, my eyes, I need my glasses, that the WNBA women will get respect like the NBA players? You know, I, I remember when WNBA first started and, you know, all the commercials, all the hype, you know, you had Cheryl Swoops and Cynthia Cooper and just all those girls that I used to watch as a little girl um, who represented the U.S. in the Olympics. So when the WNBA first started, I just remember there was just so much excitement, even with guys, like just watching and supporting. And it just seems like over the years, you know, the viewership has dropped off. I know Sacramento, they lost their team because of poor attendance. And I don't, I don't know if WNBA will ever be like NBA, you know, in terms of the guys. And it could just be, you know, I think NBA – they have fans of the women, you know, women and men. You have both, but I think NBA, I mean WNBA. I think it's a majority is, is female to support it. So I think if they can find a way, you know, to also bring guys on board um, and, and pulling for WNBA too, you could. But I don't think it will ever reach the level of NBA. I mean, you know, sorry to say that, but I just think the interest level is more with the men's professional basketball game. Well, what do you think? Oh, no. I, 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 here we go. I agree. You know what? I, like you said, when it first started out, the hype was there, the excitement was there. But over the years, for whatever reason, they don't market it as, market it as much, and they don't put the emphasis as much into the game like they used to. And, and I don't want to sound sexist, but, you know, they need to do something to, to attract the men. You know, off the subject, the lingerie football – Men are attracted to because there's nice looking women out there playing football. In the WNBA, not saying that all the women aren't that attractive, but there's a lot of women out there that aren't as attractive as some are. And you gotta remember that men are visual, so a lot of those guys forget forget about the game side of the game aspect. They're looking at the females and they don't get that bond or they don't feel attracted to them, so that's why they don't look at it. So, Bob, so you're saying, like, for men, when they're watching WNBA, it's more about they also need to be, like, attracted to the players to watch it. Of course. 
Of course. They need to yeah. they need to feel that bond of attachment toward the physicality of the female. Now now there's some girls out there that can ball their butt off, but still on a whole there's no physical where like, wow, you know, Cheryl Miller was a good looking woman. Cynthia Soups was a good looking woman. There's women that are attractive but then there's those ones that have all the tattoos and you know, you don't want to see a woman that looks like Alan Iverson with dreadlocks, you know, and I'm not saying me, I'm just saying a lot of men in general. Because right. men are superficial, men are superficial, and they do like to look at attractive women, regardless of them being bald, having a big belly, you know, overweight and all that. But in their mind, they still want to look at something visual. Yeah, so, I think uh, the WBA, they also, for, for whatever reason, like you were saying, over the past couple of years, the marketing just isn't there. I mean, there's been a couple seasons where I wasn't even aware that they were playing because I never saw commercials yeah. for them. Yeah, you, Paula, you said what I was going to say. I didn't. You don't even know they're playing, so they're not getting exactly. the market on uh-huh. TV. And like Glove, like you told me you went to a game and finished Glove, and I told you I've been to several games. I don't even know they're playing. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh-huh. you get a seat, you can walk right down to the court and get a seat. They're not getting marketing. And like I say, we're going to have Octavia Blue on next week. But they're not. Follow you right. You know, they you only know they're playing, right? Exactly. I mean, when they first started, there was so much hype around WNBA. I mean, I would know the tip-off date because you saw it on TV. They had commercials with the girls. You know, you and you just saw them more. It was more they pumped them up more. But now it's kind of like, when are they playing? When are the games on? You know, and, and I'll find it on the station by accident. So, yes, definitely they need to get marketing uh, marketing better, I think. Well, no, I totally, you know, I totally agree. Think about it. Years ago when the NBA was in the playoffs, they would advertise during the NBA playoff game that the WNBA would be starting up in June or starting up at the end of May. They would always have commercials going on during playoff time and during finals time. They would market the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Now, like yep. I said, we don't see any any type of marketing. And like I said, it, it might be for, for whatever reason they're not selling ads or they're not bringing in the, the, the dollar amount that they would like to. But there's a lot of young girls out there that are playing basketball. You know, there's a lot of females that are that are involved. My daughter, like James told you, we're going down to Phoenix because she likes Maya Moore that plays for the Minnesota Lynx. And just okay. a coincidence her uncle coaches for the Phoenix Sun, I mean the Phoenix Mercury, and they just got Brittany Griner. So we're going to go down to a game in Phoenix so my 11-year-old daughter can watch, you know, some of her favorite players play. But it's sad that if they were marketed, there will be a lot more young girls getting involved in it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, I've got probably you said, I didn't cut you off. I don't want to get to my, I want to get to the next question there, Margaret. You know, from actually from Arizona. Do you think Brittany Griner will be as good as Lisa, Lisa Leslie? Leslie, Leslie. Yeah, I need my glasses, bro. That's for you, you know, That's from uh, okay. Margaret from um, Arizona, Chandler, Arizona. I'm sorry. You know, I think Brittany Griner can be just because of her height and her her style and how it can be hard for women to guard her. Um, I think she's even tall. She's got a couple inches, I think, on uh, Lisa Leslie. And just watching her even in college, 
a lot of the time she just turned and shoot over people. I mean, the height-wise, it's just hard to match her. And so I think if she continues, you know, if she's getting better and just get a little size to her, she can't, I mean, you know, if she keeps up over 10 or 15 years, she probably will be able to, you know, have the same type of numbers as um, Big Celeste. Well, thanks. For years and years and years, Lisa Leslie was the face of the WNBA. When you're talking about ultimate champion and ultimate winner, Lisa Leslie and and Brittany Griner to even be mentioned, you know, she she'd have to one overcome her emotions, which led her in the in, in the uh, double, you know, the NCAA championship last year. She let her emotions get the best of her, and she couldn't play. So until she has, you know, controls her emotions and develop her game a little bit more because the WNBA is not college. You know, there's some women in there that are that are her size or thicker. So she's going to have to get some thick skin, and when the women are pushing and things like that, you know, instead of letting her emotions control the game, she's going to have to let her skills take over. But, you know, in due time and development, you know, she has a chance to, to be mentioned in the same breath as Lisa Leslie. Yeah, you like know, I said, I'm, this is just her first year. We'll have to see. I mean, Lisa has been in there, <laughs> I remember, you know, since it started. But for Brittany, you know, we'll have to bring that discussion up in like another 10 years or so and just see how she, you know, how long she lasted. Was her body able to, you know, keep up? Does she have any big injuries, you know, and how she plays? But like like Glove was saying, Lisa Leslie is one of the, you know, all-time Best female um, basketball players. And, and, and like, yeah, look at you say ten years, but do she have that potential? Um, I mean, you know, I would think I think she does, but she, you know, she has to, like I said, put on a little size. She's just real thin and and just real tall. So now she's going against, you know, some of those women in the WNBA. Those aren't no small women the ones playing center and stuff like that. So she's probably going to have to also put on a little size on her body um, to be able to take that pounding, you know, season after season and to be able to reach at least a Leslie status. But, she, I mean, fundamentally she probably can. Like I said, just see how long, let's see how well she keeps it up with dominating her position. Well, no, right, right. I mean, you know, it, it, it consists of, you know, having the, the right attitude to grow. You know, it consists of her developing her fundamentals. It consists of who her coach is going to be and, and the personnel around her. You know, because think about it. We've had women that came came out in the past, like Candace Parker that went to L.A. from Tennessee. You know, Candace Parker was supposed to be the second coming. And, you know, she's won some games and won some medals, but she's just been an okay player in the WNBA, whereas Lisa Leslie stood out amongst the rest or Cheryl Sue stood out amongst the rest. There's been women that have the tools, but once they've gotten to the WNBA, didn't follow through and develop all the way. So it remains to be seen if she has the work ethic and things like that. She could be. She has the fundamentals. She has the basics. Yeah, and she, like you think, well, you have the fundamentals. That's like what everybody say to LeBron about being a Michael. You have the fundamentals. You might can be that great. Am I right, guys? Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, at least fundamentally, you know, she has a good game and her, her play is solid like that. But like we said, to top of, you know, to equal the Lisa Leslie, 
she's got a long way to go. I mean, there's gold medals, there's records to be set, you know, just, we'll just have, you know, we'll just have to see. But fundamentally, she could be. Yeah, because her game is pretty, you know, she's fundamentally a good player. Well, we ought to go break in. Like I said, Paula, um, hey, we all, you got to go, well, before you leave, this last, this other email, I, I, I scroll down and read it to you. Okay. You know, Paula, thanks for being on to keep James and Glove in their place. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, that's, right. that's right. You know what? I guess we get keeping our play, right, Glove? We got to get on Paula now, Glove. Come on, Glove. Let's team together, right? Hey, hey, what, what, what listener was that from? <laughs> that was from Vicky from Chicago. Hey, I know who that is. That's my damn sister. <laughs> That's your sister? <laughs> your sister is too sister. much. That is too funny. <laughs> well, hey, next week, like I say, we have Fabian, and after that, we got B Rose and Farm Walker. We're gonna do that live. Well, we'll be doing that live after. Uh, Work out there at um that sports bar uh, at the office in Crestwood. But follow next week, right? Yep, next week. Glove, uh, I'm always gonna have you on that glove. But anyway, hey, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're gonna have Bob. Um, and then we're gonna have Reggie Slater to come from the NBA player. We break. Thanks again, Pete. See you next week. All right, see, see you guys next week. Have a good one, Paula. Okay. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. 
This is James Loving. I'm back with Loving that first time co-host with me, Eric Love. You got Glovey Glove? I'm here, James. I'm here. Glove, this is a special show. We got questions and answers and everything. We got Bob. Bob, you there? Bob, how do you say your last name, Bob? Podicar? My last name is Podicar, yes. Podicar. Bob is out of Crestwood. Uh, Bob, tell me about yourself in Crestwood. Um, the the sports bar you run? I don't. Yeah, I'm the general manager. It's called At the Office Sports Bar and Grill. We're a full restaurant with an outdoor patio of about 2,000 square feet. we got a full dining menu, everything from burgers to chicken sandwiches to wings to tilapia. It's a great menu, good times. we got 14 beers on tap, carry a little over 50 beers total. Well, we'll be doing a show out of that live. We'll set that up, right, Bob? Yes, sir. Well, Bob, well, we'll put this show. we got one of the guests that will be calling in when we're doing a show out of there. I know always, always, love, you know, Reggie Slate. You that Slate? I'm there feeling the love, brother. Feeling the love. Well, uh, <laughs> before we get started on you, Slate, tell everybody where you want what the cause and play it again. What, what am I doing? What now? Tell everybody where you went to college and where you played in the NBA. I went to college at University of Wyoming. Great outdoors. So University of Wyoming played in the NBA for a few years and overseas, and everywhere from Denver to Minnesota, Toronto. Had a chance to go overseas and play in Italy and Spain. So had uh, a good time playing in uh, in the country, in the world. Well, I'm going to start off. I don't know what they're going to do, uh, Reggie, but we all got to start off with you. Dwight Howard, what do you think about that move? He's in your town, right, Red? Houston. <laughs> he is in Houston. He is in Houston. Um, I, I, you know, I, I listened to someone, and I can't remember who it was, but I think they summed it up, in that the Lakers have a standard. Uh, and and not and not that Dwight couldn't achieve it, but it was almost as if Dwight couldn't be the playful person that he naturally is over there, because you know you always had you know uh, Kobe always you know being a little bit stern, even Magic, as playful as he is, when it came down to business, you know he get focused and he get the job done, and of course he laugh afterwards. I think Dwight uh, Houston accepts. Dwight unconditionally, whereas the Lakers expected him to change a bit to come up to their standards. And that's where he felt more comfortable going to a market like Houston as opposed to uh, uh, L.A., which is so, you know, steeped and rich in tradition. But you're the guest, Bob. You can start off. I get to start off? Yeah, you get to start off. Nice. With the Dwight Howard thing? Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, I've been watching a lot of that coverage. I think it's a good move for him. Um, like Reggie said, he's not be able to be himself out in L.A. You never saw that charismatic, fun, energetic Superman figure go to speak as you did down in um, Orlando. So I think him going down there with Harden will uh, really be a good thing for him. I think that will open up a lot of doors. I think they can do some really good things down there. I don't know if L.A. even had a – you know, if he wants to win a title, I really think Houston's the way to go other than L.A. Because you don't know what's going to happen with Kobe. From what I'm watching now is they're going to release our test, or I'm sorry, Meta World Peace, and, uh, or actually Guacamole Dip. I think he said he's going to change his name too this morning. <laughs> so you never know what's going to happen, but I do think the Houston thing's a good idea. <laughs> hey, you know, 
I just I got a question. I don't have a comment. I have more of a question uh, for Reggie. Reggie, seeing your former NBA guy, does it seem like what you, what you were saying earlier about you know Dwight not being the playful, you know Dwight that he normally was in Orlando, where he can hide in that small market. Now he comes to a larger market where the expectation is so high, and he's not willing to play up to that expectation. But but on another hand, does it seem like there's issues going on more so because me and Love were talking, and I said it seemed like Shaq had issues with Kobe. You know, we hear Bynum saying things about Kobe. Now, Dwight, for whatever reason, he said a few things about Kobe. So do you think there's things going on where guys just don't want to play with Kobe or just Kobe has this, this higher expectation than others? and they're not willing to live up to that expectation. You know, what, what do you think it is between those guys and Kobe that's making people run out of L.A.? Well, clearly there's a difference in philosophy or the people that you named and Kobe wouldn't have such a, you know, a chasm in, 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 in between, between themselves. Of course, you know, egos are going to be, be a play. I think when Shaq was there with Kobe, so, uh, Shaq was at his – Peak, and Kobe was not quite there, but he was coming up, and he's an aggressive person. I think um, uh, uh, Kobe kind of he's a he's a hard worker, and I think he, he expects that from the, uh, the rest of his players. I'm not sure how much publicized it was or not, but when Shaq went to Miami, Dwayne Wade and he had a little bit of beef initially because Shaq didn't play hard because you know Shaq was blessed with a lot of natural talent. Now, when he was at Orlando, he was kind of going down on that. Um, what it is, in my opinion, from what I have observed when I played, I would see it for myself and from what I have heard. Kobe demands a lot of himself and puts a lot of, uh, a lot of time and discipline and focus into making sure his body is conditioned and he's a student of the game and he's focused on his craft. And he expects anybody that is in the same sphere of superstar to have that same type of discipline. And not everybody has that. So I think once you get a guy with a big ego who's, who's, who's supposed to be an a alpha male, whether it's Dwight or Shaq or, or anybody that's an alpha male that has a lot of God-given gifts and seven foot or super quick or something, they don't like to be challenged. And so, you know, the challenge is the only thing that really in the end gets us better, especially on that basketball court, uh, because it's such a competitive arena. Bob, you have a question for Reg? Yeah, Reggie, who was uh, one of the best players you ever played with who motivated you the most out on the court? Um, one of the best players I like to play with uh, was Kevin Garnett. Uh, just because it was very intense at practice, you know, when practice time starts, uh, you know, you, you, you better bring your hard hat because it was a very tough, very focused practice. You know, you have fun, but, you know, the object always remained the same, which, which was to win. Um, you know, and it, we made it so competitive that, you know, once the game starts, um, it, it like that was a little bit easier than in practice. So... I can say all the players that I played against through all the years and played with uh, Kevin Garnett was probably the best teammate to have 
and uh, the best one to, to, to hold a practice with, certainly. Well, it's my question to you, and I argue. Oh, go ahead, Bob. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, nice. I was, I, you know, that's that's unbelievable because he's a local kid. You know, he went to Farragut. You know, always always been a big fan of his. Thank you for answering oh, that, Red. That's a great guy. I mean, I can't speak enough. Enough. Honestly, I cannot speak enough nice things about Kevin. And, you know, it's so, very funny when I hear people and um, uh, people say negative things about him, about him. And I have to think to myself all the time, I don't think you know him. He just wants to win. And he's, he's focused at winning. He's a great teammate. You know, he'll give you sharp his back. Uh, but he's, you know, kind of like Kobe. Uh, you know, he demands a lot. Once you step on that arena, on that floor, he demands a lot of the people that are around him. Hey, Rez, um, that's great that um, Bob asked that question. That actually goes me back to what I want to ask you. And me and Glove, we, we, we argue about this and laugh, but isn't that what you, you look at, you know, like, well, we, me and Glove argue about Michael Jordan. Isn't that what Michael Jordan is? You think Kobe, they want to win. They, they so hard on their players, you know, and they focus on that, you know. And if you're supposed to be a superstar, be a superstar. And, and the second question for you, Raz, is, I mean, me and Glover argue, what is superstar, what is elite player? Can you answer that for us? Who is, you say, elite player and who is the superstar? Are they both the same? Well, no. I think an elite player, I mean, I think any person that makes it to a higher level, whether that's the NFL or NBA or NHL or whatever sport, MLB, you, you can, you can, you know, you've been blessed with, with certain gifts and certain talents. And that'll get you so far. And in some rare cases, you know, that gets you in that professional arena. The challenge after you arrive to the mountaintop, what's next? Those, those guys that can mentally challenge themselves to continue to get better, to continually study the game and become students of the game and challenge themselves to do things that they haven't done before and therefore become leaders you know, I read somewhere where, you know, the true definition of leaders is not somebody that can have people follow them, but, 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 but can motivate and educate guys so they themselves, the guys under, under them, can become leaders too. Once you get to that status, you know, Jordan and Scotty were really good, I think, with that because Jordan had all the physical attributes to become a superstar, but he pushed and challenged himself, got in the weight room, uh, worked on his outside jump shot, all those things that he didn't have before that pushed him to superstardom. You know, you've you heard, just like I've heard, the stories about him getting into fights mm-hmm. with his teammates yeah. at practice when guys come slacking. I mean, it was their tough practice. That's how you get better. You challenge yourself. Those are the superstars, the Larry Birds, the, the you know, the Magic, the Dream, a larger one. God, you know, I was a kid uh, when, when, when the King first came to Houston. And, you know, when I was just coming up, you know, he was kind of at his peak era. And you didn't really want to make the big fella upset because he was, he was quick with his hands. <laughs> you know, he, you know, he, he, he was, uh, he's an intelligent player, but he's not, he's not afraid to get dirty. Uh, and I think once you can challenge yourself and challenge yourself and expect all the people surrounding you to get better and motivate, motivate them to be on the same page as you, that's when you get that superstar. That's when you get that super elite. What? Hey, I have a, I have another question for you, big guy, Reds. 
You know, uh, Bob earlier asked you the one player that uh, you played with, you know, that was a great player. What's the one mm-hmm. player that you played against, you know, in your NBA career where when you knew you were going to play against them, you had a hard time sleeping the night before or you couldn't <laughs> eat that pregame meal because you got bubble cut. So was there a player that you played against that, that, that you know, gave you that uneasy night of sleep? Uh, as, a, as a competitor, you know I'm not going to say <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, I was—I I will say—I eagerly anticipated playing against all the greats of my day, which were the Stockton and Malones, which were the Charles Barkley. You know, back when he was winning, back when he was winning MVPs, back you know '95, I think. Um, uh, you know, of course, the Jordan teams back when it was Scotty, Ron Harper, Dennis Rodman, those guys. That was a that was a great challenge, man. Just to be around these guys and see how their mentality was and the and the players around them. I think the the I've never ever uh, been in a game that was controlled as much as when Michael Jordan played. It, 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 was, it was as if everybody on the court was was listening to him, and it was like a class almost. You know, he would reprimand guys, pass them on the back, and it's funny because I don't think people in the audience or the you know the camera could hear him, but he's talking. Mike would talk the entire game, and uh, it was sometimes comedic, and you can't fall in, <laughs> into talking to him. But he was clearly the conductor of the entire orchestra that was going on. He set the pace and precedence, and his confidence uh, was so much that it kind of oozed. Uh, and to the other guys, and, and uh, you know, guys like Tony Kuko, uh, he was on that team. Boy, I kind of felt bad for him the way Mike, Mike was uh, talking to him, but it wasn't so much that he was uh, – it was constructive criticism to grow. And I think that helped him in order to be that, that added ingredient that helped him to win a couple of championships with him. Wow. Trying to think of a good one. I was listening to your answer. I'm, I'm, I'm enthralled in this whole conversation. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like a fan. I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm trying to listen. Uh, this is great. I'm, but, well, I, mean, I, I put it to you like this, Bob. I'm certainly been on some bad teams. And when you start talking about these guys that are blessed with great shots or great dribbling ability or really quick and really fast, uh, once you get to the – I've been on teams like that. I was on a team like that with Toronto. And practices were a joke because everybody was – everybody was – um, there was a time period, I should say, when the guys were just basing their, 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 their quickness or their intelligence level of the game. And it was kind of a stalemate. And nobody picked it up. Nobody really picked it up. And contrary to that, again, I'll say that team that I was on with Minnesota, we won 50-plus games that year. I mean, it was just tough. It was just a tough, hard practice. It was, and, you know, not only did the coach, the guy named Flip Saunders was there, not only was the coach demanding of you, but Kevin. I mean, he's the, you know, he called a big ticket at that point. Uh, he, I mean, he was the first one in line when we did suicide, uh, you know, and good Lord. You know, he challenged you if, you know, you were continually second or third or last or something. I mean, it was some tough practice, but it made us better. Well, Red, I'm glad you said that because I have a question. Uh, my question to you is, how different from when you went from University of Wyoming to the NBA? Like me and Glove, we talked, and I'll tell everybody when I went from, you know, Wyoming to Philadelphia Eagles, 
the practice was like crazy, man. My I was dying when I go lay down that night, you know. It was hard uh-huh. as hell, you know, doing camp. I mean, my legs and body was beat. After we got out of camp and you made a team, it was like a cakewalk. So how was yeah. it different, my question to you, was the Wyoming to the NBA? Because NBA, you only got 15, what, 20 players right out, you know? Yeah. So how different was that, Red? Well, it was an adjustment period. It's different. I mean, gosh, I'm trying to say this as concise as possible. Um, certainly, uh, certainly, the first thing you notice is the physical difference. Everybody's tall. It's not that you know, you know, you play in college. You're like, oh, we have this this this, this five, you know, five ten point guard uh, that's really quick and has a jump shot. That's almost non-existent in NBA. Everybody's at least six one or six two, at least. Everybody was the man in college, everybody can score. So you have to figure out what you do to set yourself apart. So you have to, you know, you have to, what I had to adjust to besides the physical difference is the mental aspect of the game and learn the game more. I, one of the first things I remember my rookie year in the NBA was one of the coaches, no, Dale, it was Dale Ellis. He made the comment to me, he said, you work really hard, but you're working too hard. You, you you know you have to think the game as opposed to just physically working the game, and which again you have to do your due diligence as Love just said as far as making sure in the weight room, making sure you're conditioned. But there's the court becomes very small when you start dissecting it from a certain point of view, and there's only so many different ways a guy a guy can go if everybody's on the same page and are working together, and, the, and and if you stay on the team, you're going to be on the same page. Otherwise, they're going to eliminate you or get rid of you. So for me, the biggest difference was aside from the you know everybody's six eight, six nine, six ten, it was learn the mental aspect of the game. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we were out of games, and then the last four or five minutes, our team made a surge. That happened a lot my, my rookie year when I had a guy named Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf on the team. I had a guy named Bell Ellis. Uh, Kimbe was on the team. Had a lot of guys that could score. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very never-say-die attitude. And I'm sure, you know, love, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you did that professional thing, too. It's, it's a never-say-die attitude. And, 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 you know, you get used to that. And you live it and you breathe it. And it becomes a part of your culture and your character. Uh, and it kind of sets you apart. It sets you apart when you go into society and, 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 and you, you engage in normal conversations with people and, 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 and the quote-unquote normal people will say, well, this guy is just full of it or he's full of BS. Well, no. I think he's just drawn back on experience and what he's seen. So there, there are experiences that are life-changing, but it's not something that, you know, you save someone's life per se, but it's something that has changed your perspective on and views on how things what is and what is not attainable. Go off, how winded. Hey, Bob, I have a question. Bob, could chime in if you have a question. Go ahead, Bob. Oh, yeah. Reggie, who is the, or, or if there was a couple, some of the dirtiest players you ever played against? And got John Stockton. Really- I hate playing against that little dude. <laughs> I hate was playing it? against John Stockton. John Stockton. <laughs> I hate playing against that little dude, man. I hate little guards, period. But man, that was a little dirty dude. Ah, he was dirty. 
first guy that 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 that, 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 that sticks out in my head. And then you talk about Gary Payton. All, you know, all these people that I'm gonna say something bad about, and it's not necessarily bad, but they're guards. Guards are so irritating to me. Gary would just he'd just be all in your face all game, and it wasn't it wasn't like at the end of games, you know, you you're, you're playing and. And, you know, you kind of shake hands like we've all been conditioned to do since we were little kids. Gary still be talking trash. (laughs) (laughs) And Mike be talking trash in the hallway. I mean, you never know. (laughs) But, you know, uh, it was just uh, guys just doing what they had to do, man. Guys just doing what they had to do. (laughs) You got one glove? No, my thing is I I got a question for you, Reg. With with, uh, LeBron's contract ending next year, all these contracts, where they can uh, opt out next year, it's thrown around that there's a possibility if LeBron don't go back to uh, Cleveland, which I don't think he should, but what about him and Kobe playing together? Wow, that would be something, wouldn't it? Um, you know, you never can't say never. Um, I think – I think. Um, gosh, I think – it doesn't. I mean, with, with with LeBron, sometimes you have to look at habits and what he does. Um, and I think he feels comfortable as long as Dwayne Wade, and he's with a as long as he's with another superstar that can help him out sometimes. And he's certainly, you know, he's certainly worthy of carrying the title of best player in the league right now. I'm not saying that at all, but I think sometimes he feels more comfortable when he can share the spotlight with another great player. Now, I don't know how many more years Kobe has and how serious or how quickly he can come back from his injury. But I, I don't know. I don't see him leaving Miami. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think that's a possibility. I mean, from what I've heard about Pat Riley, he's very, um, he's very persuasive and uh, will do whatever it takes to win. And I think he'll provide an atmosphere such as would not – uh, and make it um, worthy enough for, 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 for LeBron to leave. I think he'll do whatever it takes to, to, to keep LeBron there. Well, we only got two minutes left, Raz. Before we leave, I always want to let you get out what you're doing out there in Houston. Let everybody know what you're doing out there. I'm trying to enjoy myself, and that's about all that needs to be said <laughs> right now. I'm trying to... I'm trying to live my life, and and, and and I've been blessed with four beautiful kids, man, and and uh, I've been able to experience a lot of great things in life, and and uh, you know have some great friends and know some great people along the way, and 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 consider it an honor to be on your show. Thank you, Red. Actually, we'll see you September seventh, right, Glove? We'll be out there, Red. Everybody gonna be out there in Wyoming, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. yeah. For the next oh month. yeah. Uh, September, so I'm going up to September. Yep, September 6th. Yep, we'll be yep. there. Yep. Hey, Bob, Bob, you going to take us out to the show. What do you think, Bob? Take us out. Oh, this has been amazing. Us, I appreciate all you guys having me on and letting me be a part of this. Hey, James, hey. Loving, loving that sports talk. And what do you guys got to say? Showing the love. Showing the love. <laughs> Showing the love. <laughs> See y'all later, man. Hey, all right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. <laughs> 
That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. 